Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. A lot of stuff to get to today. As mentioned, plenty of time for uh, your feedback as well. But let's start with what happened yesterday in B.C., I think a lot of folks in Alberta were watching that election very closely, including, of course, the premier. Now, you might recall not too long ago, the premier laid down the law. MLAs, people work for the government, uh, they were to stay out of this. There was no going to B.C., there was going to be no campaigning for the B.C. New Democrats. Now, of course, you've got uh, Sapora Berman, prominent environmentalist, co-chair of the Oil Sands Advisory Group. I guess she decided that doesn't really apply to her. She went very publicly, endorsed the B.C. New Democrats. Now, the reason why this is so awkward for Rachel Notley, of course, is that the B.C. New Democrats have vowed, if they form government, to scuttle the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion. So that was a big issue in the campaign, and I guess in that sense, the stakes are high. Now, of course, the election was not just about that. Uh, We'll find out a bit more about some of the big issues, but where things stand here today is we don't know who's going to govern B.C. Uh, As of now, I guess we're going on the the premise that the B.C. liberals will have a minority government, but that could change. They're one seat shy of the majority. They're at 43. Uh, The New Democrats at 41, but the Green Party at three. So three plus 41 would get to 44, which is a majority. So it's kind of anybody's guess at this point what might happen. Joining us uh, for some further thoughts on the drama last night and where we go from here. Very pleased to welcome the program, Elise Mills, a conservative political analyst based in B.C. Uh, Elise, it was a long night for you. Thanks so much for joining us here. <laughs> Thanks for having me. All right. Well, I mean, we knew it could be tight. I mean, the polls suggested maybe the liberals had a bit of an advantage going into last night. They did get more votes than the NDP. But, but how surprised were you? I was surprised. I mean, I, I was calling, I, I, I mean, now there's, you know, egg on my face, but uh, I was calling for a very, very slim majority. I knew it was tight, but 20, the election results of 2013, which I had sat on the election desk for, had, I think, uh, surprised me enough to realize that what we were seeing in the polls didn't necessarily uh, end up how they, the votes were going to work. I mean, you know, by in, on the 2013 uh, election night, by 808, we had a good number of seats already coming in. 818, uh, we had what looked like to be a turnaround from the votes or from the polls that we had seen. And by 828, we were getting ready to call it. And it was a whopper of a BC Liberal majority. Um, so going in last night, I was cautiously optimistic. Uh, but when it never budged, I mean, we started at, I think it was about uh, 20 or, or 8.30, I would say, where the first numbers come up. It's BC Liberal 6, NDP 6, Green 0. And it never really changed. They were neck and neck all the way through. And by about 5 to midnight last night, we realized that we were going to have to wait till this morning to uh, better learn how we were going to approach who was government in British Columbia. 
is bizarre. <laughs> right, yeah. And I mean, look, people who follow BC politics, I mean, they rem- might remember 20 years ago when the NDP won a majority, despite the fact the Liberals had more votes than yeah. them in that election. And what's weird, too... that campaign. Did you really? I still have that taste, that bitter taste in my mouth. It was pretty bad. Yeah, yeah well, no kidding. And, you know, what's yeah. interesting, and you mentioned uh, 2013, where the Liberals won a big majority. The NDP did a lot better this time. But in terms of the popular vote... From 2013 to last night, yesterday, the, the NDP vote didn't really change. They didn't really go up much at all, did they? No, exactly. And and if anything, everyone's talking about how this is so similar to the populism that we're seeing, you know, in the Western world right now. But I don't think populism won last night. If anything, partisanship and ideology framed in the new way that we talk about that, which is uh, what I what I call sort of issues of morality and values, which comes down to discussions around the environment. Uh, you know, socioeconomic issues. It's not just about really good paying jobs for half of the province. It's about long-term proposition value, i.e., does it does it give back in an environmental context, as a social context? Are they long-term? Is there long-term stability? The other half of the province is saying, listen, you know, uh, we feel that you've devalued our historical contribution uh, through the resource sector to the prosperity of this province. And yes, we want our good paying jobs, and we demand our politicians stand up for that. We're not falling on party lines in the traditional sense of ideologies, conservative, liberal, NDP. We're falling on it where the parties are falling on those particular issues. And so, no, it wasn't populism. It's actually a very deep ideological divide. And for British Columbians that told pollsters and journalists right before the election that they really couldn't stand a negative campaign or egregious attack ads, they really didn't say that last night. Uh, They bought into the fight that the two leaders, uh, the fight that they maintained, and uh, and at times took took to a whole new level of attack ads that we had seen in the province. I mean, it was really, Rob, a very, very nasty campaign. The difference was these issues were deeply personal for every single British Columbian. Now, the BC Liberals have been in power for 16 years. Uh, I mean, it's it's a long time, I think, in Canadian politics. Uh, was was there? A, I mean, how much of an issue was change? And I'm, I mean, I'm sympathetic to. I don't know that that would be enough to make me cast a ballot for the NDP. I'm sympathetic though to the notion that you don't want any one party in power for for too long. No, and I and I understand that. I mean. I'm not so sure at this point. I, I believe that when voters are asked this question by pollsters, it's an easy grab answer. Oh, well, they've been in 16 years. You know, there hasn't been change. Well, that's not necessarily true. Christy Clark was the first elected uh, premier, and now she's the second re-elected female premier in Canada. Um, she brought in a very different style than Gordon Campbell, um, and I felt that it was uh, much more populist-based than even Gordon Campbell's was. Um, but I think there were some deep-seated issues that were running inter- or intersecting in this election campaign, that government really actually has no business being involved, at least from my perspective, being a conservative that airs on libertarian. I mean, the question of affordable housing in British Columbia, which is something Toronto's uh, now struggling with too, how deep can a government really go to make housing more affordable before you cross the line and start manipulating the free markets? Um, the other question there was, how did any British Columbian think that the NDP's uncosted uh, affordable housing program was ever going to make their lives better in a socioeconomic way when the deep dive was going to happen on a deficit? I mean, it was billions of dollars, Rob. This just proved to me that reason and fact were out the window. The people were digging their heels in on their eyes 
theological lines, um, and it could be for a variety of reasons, except there was the, the two sides intersected on a couple of key issues. One side was about energy and resource development. The other side was why energy and resource development is not good for the, for the uh, province, and everything else sort of spun out from that. Right. And, and I mean, the pipeline debate has been interesting because, you know, for a while, I mean, Christy Clark was no fan of certainly not of Northern Gateway. And, you know, there was this kind of tentative support, a very tepid support of, of Trans Mountain, whereas you have the B.C. New Democrats, the Greens, very much opposed to those projects. Uh, so how much of an issue was that in the campaign? I, I, I think she played it really well in the sense that she put it down or put it to the feet of the prime minister. I mean, as soon as Justin Trudeau was elected, she said, look, here were our conditions. Uh, this is where we are right now. You make the decision um, and I will explain it away in, in, in retail politics. I will put that at your feet and then we'll work from that point. But I think common sense, uh, I think common sense prevailed with Christy Clark, too. She also realized that she had a um, constitutional obligation uh, to go along to get along. She also realized that this was probably one of John Horgan's weak spots when, you know, with the BCNDP, <clears throat> they have three or four masters that any leader has to serve in that party, much like the complications that Tom Mulcair faced with his federal party in the last election. And obviously one group, one tribe would be the environmental movement, but a, 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 I would say an equally large group there for the NDP is the labor and union movement who must have those types of jobs, whether it's the output on manufacturing, as you guys know, from pipeline resource development and the huge benefits that are associated there, or if it's actually getting their workers back to the oil patch or, or spinoff jobs that come from that. Then there was the LNG question. He was against LNG. His union workers weren't. But then Christy Clark decides we get to softwood lumber in the campaign, and she gets a huge upswing with voters when she comes out and tackles the, the hardline issue that Donald Trump's taken on our forestry workers. But she also starts to lose some of the blue-collar support because her response includes uh, an embargo on coal. And that's where Alberta comes back into it. Yeah. It was it was incredibly divisive campaign. And when you thought you had the leaders figured out, you really didn't. Well, and now it's kind of anybody's guess what happens next. It's uh, well, technically a minority government we're looking at, but what what could happen? Well, today, so I've spoken to the BC Liberal campaign headquarters and the strategists. And so what's happened today is the Lieutenant Governor has asked uh, Christy Clark to form government uh, to lead the province, and she has accepted. Uh, Christy Clark has also uh, last night reached out to Andrew Weaver, the leader of the Green Party. She will do so again today. And in that call that she has with Andrew Weaver, who holds those three seats, she will arrange to meet with him by the end of the week. Um, she, the, the, the messaging from Christy Clark really is that I, I've, I've heard the, the alarm. I hear that, that British Columbians want to have all sides work together. And from what they're telling me, they're very happy to work with any party until one of those parties is not happy to work with them. And that's what's going to happen. I mean, it, there, there's still some recounts happening here. There's three at least uh, about to happen, two of which the BC Liberals feel really strongly that those are theirs to have. But the third one could flip back to the NDP, sort of leaving us in this really bizarre situation that we're in right now. But the absentee ballots, which are being counted today, will get a better idea of where they're coming from. Um, I'm not sure that, that they're coming from one of the more contested and, and, and definitely one of the writings that's going to go into a recount, which is the Comox Valley. I'm not sure they're coming from Comox Valley per se, but the, one of the Maple Ridge writings, uh, I think they might be coming from there, and that's where the B.C. Liberals see their best hope. Uh, 
But uh, until, as far as she is concerned, she is premier. She she won. She has the most seats. She got the popular vote, and she's going to continue to govern. In terms of what the BC Greens might push for, because they, they, they do hold a lot of the cards here. I mean, electoral reform is a big issue for them, as I understand. But, of course, I mean, there is the, the pipeline issue, too. Is it possible, then, that Christy Clark is going to have to throw them a bone, as it were? Well, on, pi- on the energy and oil and pipeline issue, uh, the Prime Minister called to congratulate Kirstie Clark today. And, you know, he basically said, you know, we're looking at that argument through the lens of the Constitution. And we will continue to proceed as, biz- as business as usual. And it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, Andrew Weaver last night when he was asked after his speech uh, how long he thought this government would last, he said he saw no foreseeable reason as to why this term should end before the four-year mark. So that was really interesting to me. He did contradict himself later on, though, and that's the problem with Andrew Weaver. And I think it's it's partially to do with being a a, a new leader, new party, not really sure how the system's going to work. He's never been in a position of power or the ability to broker and negotiate. Um, he has at most driven uh, John Horgan, the NDP leader, throughout the campaign to backtrack on a couple of issues or soften his approach, but he's never had the impact he has today. And But then again, Rob, this may all change when you look at the recount and you look at the absentee ballots. I mean, Andrew Weaver may not have the power that he thinks he has within the next 48 hours to two weeks. So it's also fluid right now, but I know the Prime Minister has made it very clear that he supports that decision that was made. But I should also mention to your listeners that what has not been covered in the national press about the Kinder Morgan pipeline and pipelines in general is that the mayors played a significant role in the lead up to this campaign on those issues we were talking about that drive the ideologies, which is energy and the environment. And Mayor Gregor Robertson from Vancouver was a ringleader with the mayors that were working and willing to be disruptors about uh, getting Alberta oil to Tidewater. And they had made it very clear that they were very happy to spend a lot of time in court trying to block that pipeline from being developed. When there were other mayors, like mayors in Fort St. John, like Lori Ackerman, who may be more familiar to your listeners, who's been an advocate for energy, has been an advocate for energy literacy, tried her best with a few other mayors to sort of dislodge that mythology, kind of counteract it. And they played as uh, second players or second actors in this, uh, in this campaign in the backdrop leading up to it. So it's been going on for quite a while. All right. Well, it's going to be an interesting few days, maybe a couple of weeks ahead, as you say. Elise Mills, appreciate the insight. Thanks so much for joining us Thank here. Thank you, Rob. Have a great day. You too. Take care. There you go. BC political commentator Elise Mills, uh, who was uh, up last night uh, covering this. I think she was on with the uh, CBC panel last night. So it was a, a very long and interesting night. It was, you know, and I was kind of following it. It seemed initially maybe, you know, okay, looks though the, you know, the liberals, they, they look good. Look as though they're headed for another majority. And then uh, things started to get really close. And then the new Democrats were leading for a time. Uh, and then there was even the prospect maybe it would be 42-42. Uh, so as it stands, 43 for the Liberals, 41 for the New Democrats, 3 for the Green Party. But like Elise said, that could all change in the coming days once they finish counting some of these ballots and, and once we go through some recall, uh, recounts rather, and some really, really close ridings. So we'll see. Could still be a, a liberal, razor-thin liberal majority. Uh, but things could shake out another way, too. So really interesting uh, and obviously a lot of questions. 403-974-8255 is our number. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.